Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Edup Experience podcast, where we make education your business. I'm out of breath right now. Why am I out of breath? Well, uh, an Amazon package was just delivered at my house, and I had to run down and get it while my host, my host, my co-host, and my guest were sitting here waiting for me. So I ran up the stairs, ran down the stairs, ran up the stairs, and now I can't breathe, and that's why I'm out of breath. But I did bring somebody here today that uh, can speak a lot. Um, I was going to say she's full of hot air, but she's not. She's full of great insights and amazing intelligence, and she's incredible, and you'll know her by this sound. Here she is again, Dr. Michelle Cantu-Wilson. She is Director of Teaching and Learning Initiatives and Special Projects at San Jacinto College. Michelle, what's happening? Making a quick observation, Joe, you might want to, you know, up the cardio if going up and down the stairs for an Amazon package has you winded and full of hot air. No, sir. That's a suggestion. No, sir. Uh, yes, I, I probably will do that. Um, but you know what? I was so concerned to get with you, to get back and get on the microphone with you, Michelle, because it's been a bit. I feel like it's you disappeared on me. You were co-hosting. You were here. You were, and then you disappeared maybe to serve as students, maybe because you just got tired of the air horn. I don't know which, um, but you're back. It was post-traumatic air horn um, <laughs> yeah, recovery that I was, I was dealing with. You know how this semester has been. You've talked to so many people across the U.S. and even internationally. And so, you know, this semester has been especially trying. But as I said on my uh, IG message the other day, I'm plugged back in. I'm catching up on episodes. I am here again. And I'm so happy to be back. You've been doing great work, Joe. Really great work. Well, thank you, Michelle. You're the best. And <clears throat> I am so glad that you're back. You've been doing some great work, too. I saw you. Um, you're down in Texas at uh, the, uh, there was a Latino conference down there. It looked like you're and you and your uh, buddy. I just Daniel Villanueva. Isn't that his name? And we were supposed to interview him here. And I saw you guys in pictures and I follow your work, you know, just for the record. So you've been doing some cool stuff. You've been getting around and actually seeing people in person at conferences. How has that been? Oh, gosh, it was amazing. Um, so Daniel and I have, like you mentioned, um, he's supposed to be on eventually. Um, but Daniel and I have a little YouTube show called Latinx Learners, where we discuss what it's like to be first-gen students or first-gen practitioners um, in higher ed and also Latino practitioners. There are not very many of us. So we needed this show to help ourselves and others to navigate through this space. And then Thache, the Texas Association of Chicanos in Higher Education, had their state conference. Um, and that was an amazing in-person experience. We got to hear great research, have a lot of fun, and then end the conference with a baile, you know, a big old dance that we call the Thache Ton, uh, where we had a DJ and just had fun hanging with our friends. Yeah, yeah. and I'm the uh, Gulf Coast region president for Thache, um, and that's going to be a lot of fun this year coming up. So, What's that name of that YouTube series again, Michelle? Latinx Learners. Check it out, peeps. Check it out. You heard it from Michelle herself, Airhorn and all. We have an amazing guest for you today. Um, I'm really excited to talk to her. She's got a lot of insight and she's here. She's, I don't know if she's ready for what's about to happen here on the Ed Experience, but she's there anyway. Dr. Nicole Gibbs. Oh, wait a minute. Let me try that again. Here she, here she comes. Let me do it properly. Dr. Nicole Gibbs, she's Senior Director, External Engagement, College Readiness and Assessments at the College Board. Nicole, what is happening? Hi, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and have this chat with you all today. Now, would you prefer the air horn or the applause? I, I really enjoyed the applause, actually. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, Michelle always asks for the applause. However, it will never happen. Airhorn all the way. Nicole, le level set for us, College Board. You know, for those that haven't heard of the College Board before, which I would find hard to believe, um, what do you guys do? How do you do it? And talk a little bit about what your role is. Yeah, absolutely. So College Board is a mission-driven, not-for-profit organization, and we connect students to college success and opportunity. We've been around for quite a while, since 1900, actually, uh, and we were created to expand access, really, to higher education. Today, the membership association is made up of over 6,000 of the world's leading educational institutions. And we're dedicated to promoting excellence and equity in education. Each year, we help more than 7 million students to prepare for a successful transition to college through programs and services in college readiness, and as well as, yeah, it is amazing, and college success. Um, including obviously the SAT, advanced placement program, and also big future. So in total, you know, we serve the education community through research and advocacy, of course, on behalf of students, educators, and schools. So that's just a bit about the org. In terms of my role, I am responsible for working with our external stakeholders in a number of ways. Really, it's sort of a two-way conversation. I'm sharing information out, also asking for their feedback and input on different services that we offer, what their experiences are like either in the classroom or in higher ed spaces, particularly in admissions, enrollment management. And I have the pleasure of also participating in exciting conversations such as this one today. So that's a little bit about my role. I love the way you ended that for the record. Well done. So, you know, the SAT and ACT piece is really interesting lately because of the test optional, because of you've, uh, there was a school literally recently that like just instituted, it might've been MIT or something. They just put the SATs and ACTs back in. They took off the app optional and you see a lot of schools dropping the SAT and ACTs. How is, what, what is that doing to the college landscape for students? Because it, it can be confusing. Do I need it? Do I not need it? How do I move from, from place to place? And how, what research is being done? Can you talk about that? Because that's been a key issue. I know for me, as I've transitioned to a new role at Linwood University in Missouri, it, it's come up a bunch. And I know that there are a lot of colleges dealing with it. What, what do you see happening right now? You're absolutely correct. And, and it was MIT. Um, so I think what we know for sure is that test optional is here to stay. And uh, that is certainly something that is not lost on us as an organization. We get that. Um, colleges though have always used the SAT as one part of their holistic admission process. And so when it's kind of viewed within that context um, of where a student lives and learns, Test scores can confirm a student's grades, also help them with scholarships, and really help them to demonstrate their strengths beyond what their high school grades may show. So with colleges at all levels making test scores optional, a student's test scores can help them um, continue to, to really underscore what they're learning in the classroom. 
Um, what we've learned is students by and large, 83% of students that we've surveyed um, still want the option to be able to make the choice as to whether they share that test score with a college or university if it is a test optional situation. And so for us, um, we understand that the landscape is clearly changing. We want to still be a portion of how colleges and universities evaluate students, but we understand that it is not the only measure. We understand that it is a holistic process. And so we have kind of taken the position that you know students are allowed to share all of the factors that they feel showcase their strengths and we don't believe they should be denied the choice to do that with a test score that they feel shows what they can do. So that's kind of the the stance that we've taken as an organization regarding test optional. Yeah, I've never, you know, if somebody didn't uh, perform very well on my tests, just for the record, I feel like I'm smart, though. You can have a very successful career in education and in life. Those test scores are one measure, but but it is about the whole person now. And I think that's something that's becoming clearer and clearer, especially out of coronavirus. And you think about the things because you guys have a front facing, you know, site, a front facing to consumer a product where you're saying, hey, we're going to help you start with us. We'll take you through, you know, uh, this process. We'll help you through it. So you guys are really nurturing the whole person as a high school student even accesses your site in the first place, right? Because it isn't just about one thing or another. It, it is about this whole person uh, concept, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, we, we believe very adamantly in the importance of, of college and four-year degrees, but we also understand the needs of the market and the need to serve as a resource for students who are still trying to determine what their pathway is. And so in that vein, we really are thinking creatively about how to continue to be a resource and continue to provide access to students well beyond um, kind of their test score, but other information that may be allowable or um, viewable to them about a whole portfolio that they're presenting rather than just feeling like I am my test score. Students are way more than that. And we know this. Somebody that's also way more than that is my co-host today, Dr. Michelle Cantu wilson who I'm sure is ready to jump in. Always. Nicole, uh, so many of the things that you said resonated because you think about what we're trying to do with our students, which is get them into the workplace. And how do we evaluate those that we want to come into the workplace? We use a holistic process, don't we? We use resumes, we use portfolios, we use a face-to-face -face interview. Um, so I really like the idea that you champion, you know, holistic placement or, you know, holistic evaluation um, because it mirrors what life is going to be like. You know, students come in and if it's a hard and fast number, yes or no, um, how, would, how does that prepare them adequately for what they're going to experience in the workplace when things are so flex nowadays, especially? Um, so what have you been most surprised by um, as we switch to this uh, test optional? 
I think what, what has been most surprising to us as we've conducted quite a bit of research is just understanding that students still want to test. And so we're thinking, you know, oh, students, um, just in because I am a former enrollment manager and a former director of admissions, um, there's that side of, of the coin. But I think what we've noticed over this last couple of years is that, um, and I'll just kind of share a little bit about when we, all of us were trying to pivot and still provide opportunities for students to learn in environments during the pandemic, um, virtually, students still were taking the SAT. We tested 1.5 million students in the class of 2021. Wow. And Although that isn't on par with, with what our, our testing rates and trends typically are, I think it still speaks volumes to the fact that if given the opportunity, if given the choice, students want to test, see how they do, and then make a decision about whether or not, again, they're putting that score forward as a part of their academic portfolio. So I think that's that has surprised me quite a bit. Um, in, in, as we are all navigating this test optional world, both colleges, universities, and K-12, um, and, and obviously the college board trying to continue to be a resource in that discussion for students, for families as well, as they make their, their decisions about testing. So the thing that I'm interested in is really the AccuPlacer. Uh, regarding the, for Texas, the TSIA for developmental education students. So I want to go there eventually. Do you want to ask more about the SAT um, topic we're covering right now before I dive into that? Is that question to me? Yes. I, I've never been asked a question on my own podcast. I will defer to your expertise here, Michelle. Thank you. Let me, let me hit the air horn just for your expertise. Please go ahead. No, it's called Respeto. You are the host. Um, <laughs> Get out of so. here. Okay, so Nicole, um, my background is developmental education. Um, and so that AccuPlacer is something that I'm very familiar with. And because of your amazing background in student services, um, talk to me about the power of differential placement. That's what we call it in developmental ed, right? We, I know that I saw on the side that, you know, holistic placement but we call it differential because we're evaluating a lot of things when we're determining whether a student is going to go into, you know, developmental education sequence or into some kind of a co-requisite um, um, class, you know, where they can cover both dev ed and credit bearing courses at the same time. Um, how powerful do you think that is for the student? Oh, incredibly powerful. Um, as you well know, AccuPlacer uh, test scores provide really vital information about a student's current skill set, um, but it, it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. And so to get a complete picture of a student's abilities, we typically recommend considering multiple factors as we've kind of discussed during, during this entire conversation. Um, AccuPlacer supports the use of both academic and non-academic information to determine appropriate placement recommendations. And so the best practice for placing students into college level courses is by using a variety of those indicators and factors. Um, and some of those academic factors are obviously their high school GPA, 
SAT or end of course exams, um, transfer or prior learning credits, as I know you're very familiar with in your work. And then perhaps some of those non-academic uh, factors are non-cognitive assessments, those results, and then attitudinal variables. So study habits, social skills, et cetera. Um, so I, I think that for students and um, them understanding about their current uh, placement and what their potential is, AccuPlacer really provides them and counselors and colleges with a more complete picture and one that supports the necessary intervention with recommendations as well for students and support in the areas that they may need. So I think it is a benefit um, to the student and also to those who work with students on a daily basis. And what are you seeing nationally in regard to the effects of the pandemic on AccuPlacer scores? Because we know that um, across, across the country, we know that the population of DevEd students has increased, right? Mm -hmm. We've certainly seen that in Texas, which is inconvenient because we've moved to a co-requisite model, right? Um, but are you seeing those impacts on your internal data of um, student scores in math, reading, and writing? So um, that is, the AccuPlacer specifically is not um, an area that's under my portfolio. And so um, I can't speak to that specifically, but what I'll tell you, and this is not Nicole as a college board employee, but just Nicole um, living in the world, um, and having students that I still work with, um, colleagues that are still very much in higher ed, I, I don't know how any of us um, have not been impacted in some way by the pandemic, um, particularly in the academic learning environments. And so if I were to kind of make my own assertions, I would absolutely say that that all of us in every facet of society have been impacted. And um, I think we're just all trying to figure out how to um, cope with maybe learning loss and assist those students with returning back to a space where um, they are confident and ready to get back into that environment and be successful. Yeah, learning loss, that's a really important point. We should talk about that just for a second because, you know, I, I know most people in higher education will stay updated, read articles and so on. We know that there's, uh, in, as an enrollment manager myself, an enrollment cliff, less high school graduates now over the next couple of years than there ever will be. Everybody's freaking out. And then you see some articles come out and people say, well, there's not really enrollment cliff. It's more like an enrollment plateau. And there's just lots of data out there, but it, but there isn't high school graduate uh, growth in terms of the number of students who are coming out of high school, right? That's for sure. Whether it's a decline or a plateau that you could argue that all day, but you know, students also, um, you know, there's there's a lot of taking a gap year, a lot of co are coming back to college for the first time. Um, uh, there's first gen students who maybe didn't go right into college because of coronavirus. And now they're starting this journey kind of again, right? I, and I, I bring this up because we're having this big thing at Lindenwood and uh, it's supposed to be all juniors, but there's a bunch of seniors coming because they didn't get to go last year 
and you get these overlapping things that it's just like these lost years for kids. How important is College Board and, and, and how focused have you guys been in re-engagement of sort of a lot, I would say lost generation, but a lost focus maybe on pathway to education? Is that, that was a really long, complicated, nonsensical question, Nicole. I hope you made sense of it and that you could do something with it. I did, Joe. I, I think I was able to. It's actually pretty amazing. If you, <laughs> if you downloaded that, it's actually pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll speak to a, a point that I think is really compelling um, in all of this. We've learned that we, we need to do more. And one of the ways in which we have expanded resources, I spoke just a little bit, but I'd like to dive a bit more into that is with Big Future. Big Future allows us to really help as much as possible help students and families. Um, and it's really powered by colleges and universities who are our members where we have really a plethora of objective information to empower students and families on the path to life after high school. So what we've been able to do is reposition um, Big Future as a guide to help students to plan for college, pay for college and to explore careers. And I know that many times when we think about assessment in, in it particularly related to the SAT, it's, it is kind of equivalent to like SAT and then four-year college. That's, that's what the thought and mindset has been. But we've shifted um, and expanded that to, to understand again, as I think I alluded to earlier, that obviously that's not every student's path but we want to be a resource and Big Future can be that resource for students. So we've redesigned Big Future um, and it will constantly evolve over time to better serve students. But what it really does is it provides a personalized guiding um, individual st students to their next action that they can take right away. So for example, they're taking an interest um, in assessing careers. They can go into the dashboard and it shows them what they've done already at this point on the path to college and career, along with what they should do next to maintain that momentum. And I think that's one of the ways that we have really been thoughtful and incredibly strategic about how we still serve students who've had such a you know, dare I say, kind of like experienced trauma during this this last couple of years to get back focused, get back really ready to take the next steps on on their their lives. So, mm. Big Future is is an excellent tool for that process. Hey everybody, head over to www.edupexperience.com our website where you're going to find all of the episodes that we've recorded categorized so that you can ensure that you're spending your time listening to the podcasts that are most important to you. You're going to see the reviews of our podcast, the shows in our network, our partners, and a section on starter episodes. If you're new to the EdUp experience, listen to those starter episodes and get a feel for how the podcast has evolved over time and our impact in the world. www.edupexperience.com.
Yeah, that that sounds like an amazing tool and um, access is so important. But in, in speaking of which, I and Michelle, I don't actually know if you've um, partaken in my uh, games before here at the Edup Experience. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Listen but to your games. You have. Well, you're yes. going to play one today, uh, Nicole. We do like a little bit of a mid-episode break, as we like to say here at the Edup Experience. We're going to play a little game. This is called Higher Ed Word Association with your contestants today, Nicole Gibbs and Michelle Cantu-Wilson. This is where Nicole and Michelle, I'm going to give you a word, a higher ed associated word, and you're going to tell me the first word or phrases or groups of words that come to your mind and feel free to elaborate. Are you guys ready? Ready. Let's if do you, it. If you said no, I'm not sure. I think I think the game would go on anyway. He so, doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah, we're going to just do it. Oh, yeah. Right, here we go. <laughs> Michelle, we're going to lead with you first because, of course, our guest needs time to prepare because we just put her on the spot. We're going to go with you first. Here we go. Future of work. Multifaceted. Okay. I think uh, individualism is reemerging and students are, especially Gen Z, they are becoming more uh, critically aware of their own pathways and their desire to be somewhere in life where they are finding joy and not just working. Uh, so I think, I think it's multifaceted. Mm, very well said. Nicole, future of work. I think the future of work, the, the word that I um, first think of is innovation. There are so many opportunities for students um, to create their own work, if you will. We think about social media and how those who are very young to those who are maybe not so young have really created platforms and brands and companies, et cetera, um, to I think redefine what we have believed work to be. Um, and I think that that is amazing um, to really combine passion with innovation, so. Mm, well done, okay. I was gonna say that too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that was amazing, way to go, Nicole. Um, the next one goes to Nicole first and then Michelle. Um, here we go, elitism in higher education. I think the first word that, that comes to mind when I think about that phrase is um, dated. Um, and I, I say that because, and probably a lot of my responses are thinking about the current generation. I think that there are so many barriers that are being broken and um, a lot of exposing that has happened. And I think reckoning as well with American higher education, American education in total. And so um, I would say dated. That's a good one. Boy, that's a tough act to follow. Michelle Cantu-Wilson, elitism this, in higher education. I want two things. One, please find a sound effect for an eye roll because I would like to request one for that question. Um, um, Mm, uh, the best I got is, uh, let's see, I got a whistle. Oh, That's you can find something it. better. I need you to do research, Joe. Um, this is the EdUp experience with over how many, what, over 100,000 downloads? Yeah, 135 actually. There you go. Um, so it, it's useless. 
that elitism doesn't have a place in, in modern society. Perhaps it was useful to some class or some group of people at some point, but this that's not the world that we live in anymore. And the idea of uh, dividing people um, into classes so that one group is looking down on another, it just doesn't have a place anymore. And if you're in the classroom, you know that because you see the way that students treat each other uh, with such respect and with such care and concern. Um, it's happening. You know, the world is changing rapidly and students are leading the way. So I don't think it has. Mm, love the passion. Love the passion there. Okay. You know it. Next one goes to Michelle first and Nicole Fowle. The word is access, Michelle. Access does not equal success. That is not my term. Somebody else came up with it and I have really believed in it. Um, it's not enough. Access is not enough. There has to be intentionality around how we are making students feel welcome on a college campus, how we are uh, making sure that everyone uh, has ownership of the institution that they are paying to attend um, and how the community finds a place at the institution. I'm very proud of the work that in particular, Robert Vela is doing at San Antonio College. He's a friend and I uh, love Robert. how he says, you know, we own our backyard. And I think that's very, very important. I know a lot of colleges are following suit, so. Remember everybody, access does not equal success. You have to do more. Nicole, access. Wow, yeah, that, that, that is tough to follow. <laughs> um, I think about the digital SAT when I think about access. And as you well know, we made an announcement in January about taking the SAT digital. And so that's how I correlate access. Now the crowd just won't sit down there, Nicole, for you. Okay, the next one and last one goes to Nicole first. And Michelle gets to follow a really hard answer that Nicole will give. The word is belonging, Nicole. Oh, yeah, of course, the last one, Joe, you, you stumped me almost there. <laughs> but um, what comes to mind when I think about belonging is um, I think about culture. And um, I think this is appropriate in every sector of education that the culture should really be a culture of belonging for every student, every educator, um, any parent, any family, um, that they are a part of that community and that all of the educators are there to wrap their arms around the students to help them become successful, whether that is attending college or going into a career pathway. Okay, Michelle, tough one, a belonging. It was tough, but at least I had a second to hear some of her ideas. <laughs> so I think for belonging, what I would like for institutions to remember is start with your faculty and staff. Start internally and in making sure that everyone who works at the institution has that sense of belonging. Because if they feel that way, that translates into the classroom, that translates in, into spaces where students occupy or spaces that students occupy. Um, so start with making sure that faculty and staff feel like they're a part of the institution, that they have a voice 
And then when you do the student level work, just remember um, that nothing bad is going to happen if you care about students too much. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of Higher Ed Word Association Energy with your contestants, Nicole and Michelle, who both won nothing but passion came flying. <laughs> Michelle, I'll pass it over to you for more questions for Nicole. I did have another question. Um, let me see if I can find, oh, so my question was kind of um, just as you're evaluating all of the products that you offer um, to students and to colleges, what is a space that you would like to get into or, or where would you like to see, um, how, where would you like to see College Board uh, move forward more boldly? What's on the horizon? Um, and you don't have to reveal any trade secrets or anything like that. <laughs> Thank but you. You could if you want. You could if you want to here on the experience live. Okay, go ahead. Um, to be honest, I think that we're we're on the cusp of that right now, and it's what I just mentioned um, in the word association game. Really, how just how much of a game changer I believe the digital SAT will be for students um, and for families. And again, that access piece, which is critical because it is very core to our mission. I think during the pandemic, we've been challenged like many companies, universities, colleges, organizations to, to do more. And this is our way of ensuring that students have access to tests. So I think that's, that's one area Another area is um, that we announced um, a new uh, AP exam in African um, American studies. And so this is another opportunity to really certainly be um, more inclusive and having students have the opportunity to reflect what they know in the classroom um, in, in a way that, um, is it provides a, a, a sense of um, diversity, um, equity, and inclusion. So I think those are two ways where we've thought very intentionally about where we could make an impact. And particularly my work is with the CRA team and that's specific to the SAT program, but throughout the organization, there are so many things happening. Um, I mentioned Big Future, which is, again, another opportunity to expand our resources. So long answer to a short question. That's okay, what great. we like to do here. Yeah, go ahead, Michelle, keep going. Great, great answer. Um, I, really, I really like the idea of the Big Future because uh, one of the things that came up in a focus group that I did the other day for Texas Pathways um, was a student saying, you know, we graduate and then there's no like, and then they're talking about from community college, graduate from community college and what, what's next? Like who guides that? What, that's it? That's all I get? So I'm on my own, you know, we're not ready for that. So I see that you are owning the transition and that's a phrase that uh, Dr. Joe May from Dallas College um, coined one day that I heard him speak. Um, so really you're doing the work that is necessary, not just between high school and college, but also between community college and university, university into the workplace. There are transitions where students do feel alone. And I feel like Big Future is onto something really big. <laughs> it's a great Absolutely. name. 
Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good work. That's called incredible insight. The big futures is big. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, one, one last question I wanted to ask you, Nicole, is just about finding college, right? So it's one of the big things that that um, I think high school students struggle with, parents struggle with, is where, what is the right college? Where is the right college? How is the right college? What, what should, you know, now there's online, now there's a hybrid, now there's different ways to experience college than, than there was before, and college boards at the front end of that, you know, kind of a gateway. How do you match up interest with, I don't know, modality, um, with uh, flexibility now that maybe wasn't as a, maybe it wasn't as, uh, a particular choice as it, uh, maybe that's not the right word, but maybe as not a, a robust of a choice as it was before and how I want to learn that might be different than what I thought. How do you guys adapt and, and flex on matchmaking, so to speak? I like, I like that matchmaking. I, I really like that a lot. I believe again, and certainly not to be repetitive, but I think that's the intent of big future. I think that that is because it is such a vast um, tool that really is, I, it's, so it's getting to know me if I'm a high school student and I'm really confused about what the next steps are for me, then utilizing this platform, first, it's getting to know who I am as a student, how I perform, what my interests are, and then it creates sort of this individualized plan. Now, I do want to um, just be very clear that we know that students' interests change. <laughs> Certainly, the person I am as a junior has changed by the time that I'm a senior, but it is nimble enough to really um, create those and change as the students change. So I believe that Big Future, once a student goes on to the site and, and signs up for that and then goes through the proper um, prompts, et cetera, includes their information. It really is what I believe to be, I think our, our next big resource for college planning. Um, and also not just for students, but for educators as well to help them advise students on the next steps. As we know, I mean, this is a process that is involved. There are parents, you know, other family members, college counselors, high school friends who also play a large part in what a student believes to be their next step in their education experience. Um, but I think that Big Future is one critical part that at least can provide the foundational pieces to have the larger conversations with those other entities. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And I, you know, that's, you just named off all the influencers too, right? Like, so there's so many people that influence somebody's journey uh, along the way. And um, the more resources you can provide to help somebody zero in, so, so to speak, on a, on a target college, it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard to, sometimes harder than it should be to find, select a college and, and all of the things that go into that and money and time and there's just a lot there. There, there is a lot. And uh, we want to ask you our final two questions. But before I do, Michelle, do you have any other you want to slide in for Nicole? No, sir. That last, um, that last description of Big Future and what it does 
just really reassuring, especially the idea that hopefully that students can retake, you know, they can take it more than one time. We know that that's useful for the TSIA and Accuplacer, um, and it's useful in other, you know, personality assessments and things like that that connect to students to careers. So good work there. I'm excited about that product. We ask our guests the same two questions to end every episode. Nicole, here we go. Number one, what did we not say about College Board that you would like to say? Anything that's going on? Any announcements that you haven't told anybody else yet that you want to tell our audience here in the Edip Experience? No pressure, of course. Um, any events you're speaking at? Really plug away with a website. Anything you want to add first? And then second to that, what do you see as the future of higher education? So the first um, response that I have to your first question is, there's so much coming with College Board in the next year. We made the announcement about the digital SAT in January, and uh, we will launch the first administration in spring of 2023 internationally, and then spring of 2024 domestically. So what I would encourage the audience to do is to visit our website, collegeboard.org, and please lean into understanding what the next steps are so that you can help advise students, assist families um, with this exciting new um, iteration of the, the SAT. Um, the, other thing that I would say is that I am on a tour at this point, <laughs> a conference tour, um, probably coming to a city near you. So if you happen to attend any of the regional um, ACAC conferences, then I may see you there. And really, it's an opportunity for folks to come and listen more specifically to learn about the digital SAT. And Joe, the second question, I believe, is what is the future? What do I see? What do you as see as the, the future? future? Higher ed, you got it. I believe that um, higher ed is absolutely um, here to continue to do what it's been doing, which is provide opportunities for students to learn both academically, socially, um, learn in co-curricular environments so that they can contribute um, positively um, to society. And I believe that that will continue. What I do think though, is that over the last two years, we've seen a dramatic shift in the way that learning can be successfully delivered. And I believe that that is also becoming a mainstay we know, and I say we because I am part of the higher ed family, formerly, um, we know that higher ed is not always um, the quickest to, to pivot and to shift. And How so it takes, you, <laughs> it takes some time. Um, but I, I think that out of um, unfortunate situations, sometimes that's when creativity is at the height um, and so I believe that, that we've seen, and this is not specific to higher ed, but certainly because that's what we're focused on. I think American education in totality really has um, moved mountains over the last few years. And I think that if we continue with the momentum of what we've been able to do um, 
as educators, I think that the future is incredibly bright for higher ed. I love it. Uh, I'm, but however, I'm just going to challenge you on that, this quickness and speed of higher ed. I'm going to need you to take that comment to a committee and let me know what, uh, <laughs> what you come out with and see how many people are pr approve that before you, uh, we bring that here to the audience. Happy uh, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> let me know. Uh, I'll talk to you in September. Let me know how that goes. Sure. Uh, there anyway, <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to have you here, Nicole. Um, just incredible insights. The work the College Board does is is amazing. Um, we know how important um, just getting students interested in colleges and and giving them the the ease of pathway to experience it and and how and what and all those things are important. One of the most important things that I've done today uh, and best things I've done today is bring along my co-host here. Her name is Dr. Michelle Cantu-Wilson. And wherever you find her, wherever you see her, whatever conference you may run into her, if you see an air horn, grab it and spray that sucker in celebration of her. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Michelle, Thank you I, I swear. Putting that if, out on a national basis. <laughs> if somebody finds you at a conference and you hear an air horn, you're going to know it's came from this, this uh, ed up, and, and that would be amazing. And Thank you will for... bail them out of jail for when I kick them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. And of course, uh, Nicole, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for coming on the Edup Experience. Oh, no, the pleasure was absolutely mine. This was delightful. Very much enjoyed it. Would love to come back anytime. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Nicole Gibbs, Senior Director, External Engagement, College Readiness and Assessments at the College Board. You've just ed upped. <laughs>